This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Wednesday, June 17th, wherever and however you're connected. Wonderful to have you with us. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy who has booked his two-month stay at the Yacht Club in Orlando for the NBA restart, Jerem Jordan. Yeah, it sounds like uh, they're going to play, but they're figuring out all the nuances of that, and there's some weird oddities in there, like no doubles ping pong. But when you play basketball, that's fine. Do we realize when sports happen that people, I don't know, like touch each other and sweat and stuff? Like that's a <laughs> thing, right? Wait, I- I'm really interested in figuring out, because no one's really has the answers yet, of, okay, we're really concerned about COVID, like in practice and – Outside of the game, but within the game, the 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 uh, controlling factors are mitigated. It's all just normal. It's all free for all. So why is it? I I know you try and control what you can control, but if you're gonna play, you gotta play. So why would you say no doubles ping pong later when you just played a game and literally are high fiving and touch? Are they gonna be like, don't try and high five? as much and it's just it's gonna be interesting yeah last night uh utah jazz guard joe ingles uh tweeted at jordan clarkson and said man now we can't team up bro yeah like they, they were having some fun with 113 pages in their health and safety guidelines did the ncaa produce this document they approached this professional basketball bubble and we were we've been wondering like okay what happens if somebody is you know has a positive test no what, one no one's explained what then the NBA did that last night. They put out so protocols. Okay? So they obviously implement immediate quarantine measures. So they, they have separate isolated housing for a player that tests positive. They will take the player there. They will do a retest. What about everyone exposed? They will test everyone that is within the you know, perimeter of that player. Then they will take the player that is uh, tested positive, retest them, if it is confirmed that they have it, they will quarantine them for two weeks in that separated, uh, separate isolated housing. And then until they have back-to-back negative tests and are, are fully clear, mm. they're there. This is different than what we've been doing then. So now we, we're okay to relax it because we want to play. Because remember, the, the positive test can manifest itself later, anywhere from 6 to 14 days later. Pretty, pretty so, crazy stuff. We just want to play sports, and we're willing to take certain risks. That's what it comes down to. Risk-reward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, while you think about that and Jerem's two-month approaching stay in the Yacht Club in Orlando. That does sound really nice. <laughs> we have a fantastic show lineup today, including the great Yoli Childs on for two segments. The now former BYU basketball star put out an eye-opening, thought-provoking, eloquent impactful social media posts last night as it relates to Black Lives Matter and some of his experiences growing up in a predominantly white community as a black man and going to Brigham Young University as a black man. An amazing, enlightening two-part interview. And we do talk basketball with him according to uh, you know the NBA draft and, and what he wants to do there. We'll have that as well. Plus, Yoli's teammate Alex Barcelo is our deep blue feature. 
how BYU football can potentially capture the momentum of BYU basketball and the best to ever wear number 31. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. The NCAA Division I Oversight Committee proposes an extended fall camp of sorts beginning July 20th. The official vote takes place today. That would give teams essentially five weeks until game week. And I think this is a good move, but it will be uh, a burden on the players because fall camp's a grind as it is, plus you're adding essentially another uh, you know week or two. BYU traditionally starts at the very end of July, beginning of August, as it is with everyone else in the NCAA. Speaking of uh, the man I just mentioned, our special guest today, Yoli Childs, he is a projected 40th pick in the latest NBA mock draft from Rookie Wire on usatoday.com. They have Childs going to the Memphis Grizzlies. In the article, it says, quote, the general consensus is that due to uncertainty that surrounds the pre-draft process this offseason, Childs will be a riser due to the maturity he brings in, on, and off the court, end quote. I'm excited to see where Yoli Childs could land. I think he's gotten himself into the second round, which before the season he was not a top 60 pick, so he has done some work. Brandon Davies in Barcelona beat Juventud Badalona 96-92 today in the resumption of the Spanish ACB League. Davies had four points and two rebounds in the first game since the COVID-19 shutdown. They've got a basketball bubble going on. So they're on. doing their thing in Spain as well. Former BYU golf standout Patrick Fishburn, the ginger quake, returns to the Corn Ferry Tour at the King and Bear Classic in St. Augustine, Florida. This marks the first event for P. Fish on tour since the first week of March at the Mexico Championship where he finished tied for 29th. Fishburn currently even par through 12 holes in the opening round and is tied for 55th. Good luck to Patrick. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. I'll take some more of that mojo. The excitement and momentum around BYU basketball right now is palpable. The Cougars were pacing for a sixth seed in the NCAA tournament. They had just beaten the number two team in the country, Gonzaga, in one of the most epic senior nights in the history of Cougar hoops. Mark Pope is bringing in all types of impactful transfers. But, Jerem, we want this for BYU football as well. What does BYU football need to do to capture the same type of momentum currently surrounding BYU basketball? It's a very complex conversation. No, it's not. Uh, let me give you two things, Spender. Okay. Number one, beat Utah. That will capture some excitement that BYU hasn't seen since, oh, I don't know, 2009, right? That's the number one thing. Beat your rival, establish some credibility in the state. That'll help with recruiting. That will help with perception. That will release some of the pent-up negative energy from the fan base, not to mention the program and its perception of being a lesser program than Utah. Right now, BYU is a lesser program than Utah. That's just a scientific fact when you look at everything. But BYU could level that by getting competitive again, getting national recognition. There's a reason BYU hasn't won 10 games in a season recently. They had some eight or nine win seasons. It's because they didn't win 10 games in those seasons. If you beat Utah, you get to 10 in a couple of those. Here's the second thing. Have one memorable season. What did basketball just do? Had they a had a memorable season. season. What did they do the previous four? They didn't make the NCAA tournament. In fact, last year, two years ago, I guess, they didn't even make the NIT. Sound the price is right, loser horn. Yes. One season can change the identity of a program. 
one season. So I don't think it's a 12-win, 11-10-win season. I think if BYU had nine wins, including a win against Utah, that we would feel a restoration of order with BYU football. In 2016, that nine-win season was nice. I'll never complain about a nine-win season unless you're coming off 11-11-10 and then you get a nine and you go, well, that wasn't the same. Right now, we would take an eight-win season. Right now, I would take a nine-win season with a win against Utah and say, okay, things have things have things feel like they have changed. One season can change the perception of a program. And here's what BYU has working for them in pursuit of a nine-win season. That can include a bowl game. So win yeah. eight yeah. in the regular season and then win a bowl game and you're nine and four. Nine wins for the first time since 2016. We think that because BYU is now finally older and mature. I thought they were the whole time. And we have put a lot of spotlight on, hey, they bring back a ton of experience. This seems to be the best chance that they've had in a while to maximize that potential of having maturity and experience. So I thought this was a program advantage, but now it's upperclassmen quantified. It's time for eight wins, at least in the regular season, nine with a bowl game. And you're right. That would show marked progress BYU's gone four, seven, and seven the last three years. The Cougars need to win at least eight to show signs of progress, especially with the experience that they bring back. There is some pressure there now, I think, and I think it's good pressure. It's time to perform. Um, BYU basketball just finished ranked for the first time since Jimmer Fredette played in 2011. There is serious excitement and hype surrounding a national ranking, and it probably – uh, it probably matters more in football, Jaron, because BYU doesn't have a conference. Right. They're in the ESPN conference. It's great to have exposure and be seen, but to finish ranked, BYU's trying to do that in football for the first time since, ironically enough, 2011. Yeah, and BYU would have to get to 10 wins, I think. I don't see a situation where BYU gets to 9 and gets ranked. There's an exception to that, but I just think it's really low. If we're talking I think 10, about, you're, go- you're going yeah. to be ranked. If we're talking With that about, schedule, absolutely. The momentum and the excitement that is around BYU basketball, beating Utah would be amazing. That'd be a great Kickstarter. But I think BYU football has to finish ranked to get on that level. And it includes recruiting. It really does. Because that momentum helps with recruiting, too. It's all integral. But it comes down to beating Utah, which is in how many days? Countdown to the Utes. 78 days away. It's coming up quick, man. BYU at Utah, September 3rd. I almost don't believe that's going to happen. Thursday night, national television. Like, we're going through a pandemic. We're going through, you know, one of the biggest social movements in American history. It feels like that is a complete afterthought, as it probably should be. But here we are on a sports show, you know, and it's like, what? 78 days away? That's coming up. The NBA is restarting. We're like a month away from potential fall camp start. Are you kidding me? It's happening. We just have to kind of see what the uh, ramifications and consequences are of doing that. (laughs) We don't know. Someone's got to figure that out. There is so much unknown. Yeah, let's start in a month. We don't have the answer of uh, what happens if someone gets a positive test. But uh, 78 days. Our question of the day. What does BYU football need to do, in your opinion, BYU Sports Nation, to capture the same momentum currently surrounding BYU basketball? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. This is a well-cogitated tweet here from at Monique Laughs. 
The response, have a preseason practice with the BYU Rocks storming the field. <laughs> like the Rock did with hoops? I love that. That's funny. Yeah. Okay, good idea. Good idea. Keep them coming. Coming up, two segments with Yoli Childs, including his commentary on Black Lives Matter and his experience as a black man in this community. And in the second segment, we discuss his basketball future. You don't want to miss this conversation. Amazing stuff from Yoli coming up. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. If you're jonesing for sports, you can go to the BYU TV app. It's free. It's got on-demand games, including 20 from the last men's basketball season, available right now for free on the BYU TV app. We are live once again in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline for the first of two segments, which we are very much looking forward to, is one of the all-time BYU basketball greats, Yoli Childs via Zoom. Yoli, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Great to talk with you. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always a good time. Thank you. Yoli, last night on social media, you posted a very well-thought-out, eloquent message as it relates to Black Lives Matter and your experience at BYU and your experience growing up in a predominantly white community. Jeremy and I both were really blown away by that. We want to get into the emotion of that as we start this conversation. And uh, if you could, walk us through what you were feeling as you composed that message uh, that you sent out to essentially the world. Yeah, you know, first off, I just want to say thank you to everybody that, that really took the time to read that and, and hear out my story and part of my life. You know, I think that it says a lot just to be willing to listen. So, so thank you to everybody that's done that and uh, is continuing to do that. But, um, you know, I didn't just type that up yesterday. I, I started writing that probably, you know, two weeks ago. And um, I've had to make, I made a lot of changes to it because I was so concerned about, you know, letting off my message in the right way. You know, I didn't want to be offensive or uh, I didn't want it to divide, you know, um, the things going on in our country and the things going on in the history of our country, um, they bring a lot of, you know, a lot of emotions to black people. You know, I, I felt watching, you know, the, the killing of George Floyd, I felt so much anger, rage, sadness, pain. And I know a lot of us felt that as well. So, uh, you know, uh, I was saying earlier, it's it's one of those things that I've tried to learn through my experiences, especially my experience with the suspension at BYU, the importance of being able to, you know, put your initial raw emotions to the side and, you know, devise a plan of how can I express my feelings in the right way, in a way that's going to bring us together and not tear us apart. So uh, I just hope that, that people hear my story and, um, don't think uh, that I'm, I'm trying to do anything that I'm not. I'm really just trying to share my experiences and bring us together. But um, the, the response has been unbelievable. Like I already knew BYU fans and, and, and the people in this community were unbelievable people. I, I already love all of you, um, but I've been blown away by the response, by the thoughtfulness, by um, the willingness to learn and understand. It's been so beautiful. You know, somebody commented the most, thoughtful comment I've seen. They said, they said something along the lines of uh, a part of their comment was when I was at BYU, um, I noticed that if I saw a black person on campus, I would make eye contact with them 
And then I would feel bad about making eye contact with them because I didn't want to feel like I was staring at them. So then I would just turn and not look at them. And that is so, so real and so raw. And I just appreciate such a thoughtful comment like that, such a self-aware comment. And there's been so many comments like that and so many people that, you know, are, are wanting and willing to learn. And, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing I would say is, um, you know, just as a state, as a community, we have a lot of ignorance and I want to be very careful with the way I say that ignorance has a very negative connotation. It, It comes across as dumb stupidity. And that's not what that is. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we're not around a lot of black people. So it wouldn't make sense for us to understand what that plight is like. So that's when I say ignorant, I'm not meaning that in in a negative way at all. It's just the reality of not being around different types of people a ton. And, you know, I would say that because of that, it's important that we keep being us. This community and these people and and BYU fans, Cougar Nation, this whole state is, is dramatically full of amazing people, people that are caring and thoughtful and kind. And I would say now it's just important that we educate ourselves on the topic that we haven't seen much of in our state. And once we educate ourselves on those things, you know, the rest will take off, especially in this amazing state, because the people are already so kind and, and helpful and willing to, willing to set themselves aside to help other people. So, you know, I would just say it's, it's amazing to, to see how, how wonderful the people in this state are and, um, you know, have that, have that confidence in our people. And well said, and let's explore a ton of angles from within what you just said. I think part of that education, Yoli, is understanding what black people go through in different communities. And you outlined that really well, some stories of you and your brother experiences you've had where, frankly, we haven't had those experiences ourselves. So for those who missed your post or haven't read it quite yet, Will you explain some of those experiences so that we can be educated on the difference of how you are treated versus, say, how we are treated? Yeah, I shared a story from when I was a little kid. I was probably 11. And it's similar to that story that the, the person shared on a, on a comment of the whole eye contact thing. And it was I was walking through a, a grocery store parking lot and um, there was an older white woman. And as I was walking by her car, she noticed me and kind of like scrambled to lock her door. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm an 11 year old kid. Like, I'm like, what, why are you, why are you afraid? Like, what am I going to do? And, uh, you know, that, that's where there's the difference in, you know, just this person looks different than me. It's natural to look at this person, um, versus, you know, the, the things that were taught about a group of people. So, um, that's, that's one of the first experiences I remember, you know, I have tons of experiences growing up where, you know, you get followed in stores, you are accused of stealing things, you're kind of just viewed as a criminal, like you're going to do something wrong. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's some more serious experiences. You know, I, I remember me and my brother being uh, at, the, at the local movie theater as, you know, middle school kids and a group of kids coming up to us, calling us all sorts of names and, um, you know, racial slurs. And then eventually, you know, pulling a knife out on us saying like, I'm going to kill you, you, you know, so we've had experiences like that, that are just, you know, it's, it seems bizarre. And it seems like, no, those happen in other places that doesn't happen here in Utah, but you know, it does. And that's the reality. You know, I haven't had 
experiences with police like my brothers had. Um, but every experience I've had with police outside of a classroom has been a negative experience. And that's just the reality of, of my truth. And I'm not saying that police officers are bad people. I had a, I had a class in high school. It was officer Russell taught the class and it was a law enforcement class. And he is one of the greatest people I've ever met. He was so kind. He was, he was genuine. He was loving. And you know, that, that was an experience I had that was so positive, but I haven't had those experiences outside of a classroom. You know, some of the experiences my brothers had, are shocking it's it's unbelievable he was uh he was pulled over one night on the freeway driving home and uh, he was he was ordered from a megaphone there was three i think three or four cop cars they said you know get out with your hands up he comes out they're like turn around some explicits turn around put your hands on the back of your head he has no idea what's going on he's on the side of the freeway in the, in the freezing cold there's ice on the ground there's six guns drawn on him and he's just, he's just so scared. Like if I slip, are they going to shoot me? Like, am I going to die if I slip? And it's like, like I'm getting a little emotional because that's my little brother, you know? And it's just like, he wanted to be seen as a person and they came up to him, didn't explain anything, started searching his car and an officer stood probably five feet from him with a gun pointed directly at his face. And, you know, we, we, we learned from my mom from a young age how to handle these interactions. And he tried to be very calm and he, he started talking to the officer saying, you know, try to, try to, trying to show the officer I'm a human being too. And he was saying things like, you know, how's your night going? It's a cold one tonight. You guys doing all right? What's going on? Blank face, not a word was replied to him. The gun was held to his face for 40 minutes. So, you know, these are, these are real experiences that, that people in our community are facing. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, maybe if he was, if he was white, I don't know if the gun would have been on him for 40 minutes. Those are things that I don't know. That's, that's, uh, you know, that's my idea, but that's not the fact. The fact of the matter is that he had a gun pointed on for 40 minutes and I don't see a reason for that ever happening. You know, on another occasion, he had an officer press a gun on the back of his head because he was in a neighborhood that the officer didn't recognize him in and was and thought that he was there doing something wrong. And he was probably 16 years old. So, you know, there, there's scary experiences like that that happen and that are very real. And I think it's just it's important to acknowledge that those things are happening. And like I said before, the, the response that people have had has been amazing. Just saying, like, I had no idea these things happened in our state you know, this is crazy and just acknowledging it as reality and not, you know, trying to make excuses. It's been, it's been really amazing to see. Yoli Childs with us on BYU Sports Nation, sharing some staggering stories uh, about the past uh, within his own life and his little brother's life. And uh, I think it goes without saying, Yoli, that, uh, you know, Jerem and I collectively have our jaws open when we listen to things like this. We've talked to Derwin Gray, who is a pastor in South Carolina and a former BYU alumnus, and and he has told us to, you can't just, you know, stand back and watch things happen. You you can't just, you have to be anti-racist. You have to be proactive with this. And I think we're all kind of wondering, what can we do as a community to not just, you know, say things about it, but be about it? So how, how can we be about it and be of greater support to you and uh, all black people for that matter? Yeah, that's, that's a tough question. And I don't think there's any exact answer. And, and before I get into that, I just want to say that, you know, 
I am not the end all be all of this discussion. My opinions aren't necessarily the fact of what should be done. It's just, it's just my opinion. I'm not an expert on these things. I'm just someone that's experienced these things and has tried to educate myself on them. Um, you know, I think we should try our best to live like Christ lived. That's how I try to look at life. I try to say, how would Christ live? How would Christ handle these situations? And you just try your best to emulate that. And what is more Christ-like than, you know, the parable of the lost sheep? What is more Christ-like than caring about the minority? You know, Christ was, was an, an advocate for the minority. He was an advocate of the disenfranchised. And I think the most Christ-like thing we can do is say, you know, I'm going to take the time to learn and care about a minority group. Even though it's not necessarily my family, it's not necessarily my initial group of friends, I'm going to go look for that lost sheep. I'm going to go for the one. And I think that if we can have that mindset of, of a Christ-like mentality as we do these things, it's going to open up different levels of patience, different levels of understanding. Um, and then I think that the biggest thing we can do is continue to educate ourselves. That's the, that's the first big step is to understand what's happening and understand why it's happening. You know, we have to understand why are black kids more likely to get detention? Why are, uh, why are black people more likely to get pulled over? Why are they more likely to get sentenced to jail for the same crimes as their white brothers and sisters? Why are they more likely to have a longer sentence? You know, why are they less likely to, to, be, shown, uh, to be shown more homes when they're looking to buy a home? Why are black people... Uh, that graduate from college, you know, twice, why do they have half the rate of employment? You know, we have to look at why these things are happening and educate ourselves on the historical reasons as to why these, why these things are happening. Uh, and then I think as we do that, we can educate our initial group of people. You know, I think it's important to, you know, use social media to share our opinions and share what we learn with the world. But I think where you make real change is in your family. The conversations you have with your parents, your siblings, and your kids, especially the the way that you, the way that you raise the next generation, will make a bigger impact than you can ever realize. So, I think that's where we make real lasting change is in our individual families. And if we have thousands, tens of thousands, millions of people doing that, that's where I think the biggest change comes. But you know, that's that's my opinion. One thing that's helped me in my personal education here has been consuming certain either movies or or tv shows or documentaries that have educated me on this in addition to hearing people's experiences in addition to going to uh you know a protest on saturday and, and seeing that what what would you recommend for people to perhaps consume from a media perspective that would help educate yeah i think the netflix put out a, a great little piece it's like a black lives matter piece where they have I don't know, it was probably 30, 40 different movies you can watch. And I think that's just such an easy way to educate yourself. And uh, me and my wife are excited to, to get into all of those and, and educate ourselves. You know, I think nobody has a perfect knowledge of what's going on. And it's important for us to all be humble and, and be willing to listen and learn and, and understand that, you know, there might be things in a movie that make you uncomfortable. There might be things that you feel are, you know, that you feel are magnified for dramatic effect, things like that. So I'm not saying a movie is going to be perfect, but it's going to be a great starting place. You know, the, 
The Hate You Give was a great movie I watched. Just Mercy was great. Um, I haven't seen 13th yet, but I've heard amazing things about it. So um, I think just it's an easy way to educate. Another thing we can do is we're so lucky to be in this generation, you know, where, you know, we can, we can hop on Zoom right now and have this conversation. Use the internet, you know, understand that you need to go to, to websites that are accurate and have accurate information. But in, in, this, in this generation, in this time, there's, you can learn about anything that you want to learn about. So um, I think just, just researching um, on your own, just, just why are things like this? What are the stats? What are the facts? What is, what's the reality of our country right now? And trying to come to the logical conclusion yourself of why is it like this? So there, there's, there's a lot. We could, we could go on and on about that. Yoli, I can't tell you how much we appreciate your commentary on these matters and uh, how much sincerity and genuine thought you have put into this. Uh, We are the benefactors of having you on the program because uh, now we are gaining more awareness and we're we're starting to begin to broach that idea of getting rid of the ignorance. So uh, thank you for that. you know, I'd love to continue to talk about this for the remainder of the program, uh, but uh, we also want to talk to you about your basketball future and what's going on in your life and, and how you're pushing forward and, and what you think the direction of the BYU basketball program is. So uh, if you don't mind, would you stick around with us uh, so that we can get the, the details on what's happening in your future? Let's do it. I'd love to. All right, more of Yoli Childs coming up. Okay, plus Arizona transfer Alex Barcelo, how he became an integral piece of one of the best teams in BYU history in Deep Blue. Details on the NBA draft and the best to wear number 31, but as mentioned, more Yoli Childs after the break. Listen to BYU Sports Nation on demand by downloading the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton, and this is BYU Sports Nation. If you missed the first half of our conversation with former BYU basketball standout Yoli Childs, I highly encourage you all to download the podcast, uh, as Jerem just mentioned, and consume that. Uh, very enlightening. And we are the benefactors of having Yoli for two segments all today. Right. As we now switch our attention to basketball and specifically, Yoli, to your basketball future as you prepare for what you hope is an NBA career and uh, just maybe having your name called during the NBA draft, albeit it's in the midst of a pandemic. So how are you handling all this emotionally, not really knowing uh, the specifics of uh, when, how the draft is going to happen as you move forward? First off, it still breaks my heart to hear former BYU standout. I wish I could play there forever. Every time I hear that, I'm like, oh, I wish I could run it back and go four more years. But, um, you know, I, I'm really excited for this this draft process. It's been, it's been interesting, to say the least. It's such a unique circumstance right now. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for, you know, all the different lessons I was able to learn at BYU. You know, the things that my coaches were able to teach me. And uh, one of the big things was, uh, to control the controllable, you know, and it's important to focus on what you can control. There's no point in worrying about, you know, the things that are out of your control. Are there going to be workouts? When will they be? All that stuff, you know, it's out of my control. So I'm really focused on, you know, doing the little things I can to get better every day, you know, getting up, getting up extra shots, working on my body, um, trying to do well in these interviews and, and take them very seriously. So, you know, that that's all a product of all the great coaching and all the great people I've had in my life at BYU. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited. And who knows when the draft's going to be, right? Uh, 
October or something? Is it going to be after the season? What's your? I, it makes sense that it would be right. They need to know which teams are in the lottery or when the playoffs start, maybe or something. Uh, how does that? How's that going to work? What have you heard? Um, yeah, I've heard it. It's tentatively, uh, I think, mid October. So uh, I'm sure that could that could change at any time. But um, it's it's kind of nice to have a date out and and kind of just a mindset because before that came out, I was like. I was ready. I'm like, I'm ready for workouts next week. And it was, it was a little bit more stressful. So uh, it's just nice to have some kind of a timeline. How does that work in terms of, uh, obviously, you want to go to the NBA. Um, if there was a professional opportunity overseas, their season would start around then anyway. So that timing's interesting, right? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very um, locked in on the NBA right now. And, um, you know, the feedback I'm getting, I'm very excited going forward and uh, I'm, I'm very locked in on that that right now and you know that's gonna be my focus it's it's been my dream my whole life and uh, I feel that like my time at BYU has prepared me well for for what's coming and, and the uncertainty and, and being able to handle all these different changes so uh, I'm just really excited and, and looking forward to you know that basketball journey Yoli Childs a forever BYU basketball star <laughs> on BYU that's Sports Nation. that sound better does that sound better <laughs> thank you all right man <laughs> Uh, what kind of feedback are you hearing from those that uh, carry weight and, and have the opinions that matter most in NBA and as far as draft stock goes? Yeah, I think that teams have been impressed by my ability to get better every year. Um, they think that I'm a high-character a high guy that's going to come in and work hard. And, you know, I think that's the foundation for becoming a great player is uh, coming in, being humble, willing to work, and trying to get better every single day. And, uh, these teams are smart and they know that. So, um, you know, teams are talking about anywhere in the second round right now. So um, you never know. Draft night's crazy. You never know what's going to happen. But um, that's kind of the consensus right now. And uh, I'm really excited. So we reported earlier uh, USA Today uh, mentioning a projected 40th pick by the Grizzlies with you, which would be sweet, right, to get into the draft there. Um, what are you what are you hearing in terms of your stock and what kind of conversations have you had with teams in lieu of being able to work out quite yet? Or maybe you've worked out for somebody. Yeah, no, I haven't worked out yet. But, um, you know, teams teams don't know either, you know, what's going on. So some teams have talked about, um, they've kind of phrased the way they talk about, like, oh, hopefully we can get you in for workout soon. And other teams are, are thinking, you know, we're probably going to have to draft off of interviews and, and film. So... Um, I don't think anyone really knows exactly what's going to happen, but the feedback has been very positive. Um, I think that there's, there's a handful of teams that um, have a, a very strong interest. So um, I'm really excited for the opportunity to build a relationship with one of those teams. And, you know, at the end of the day, it just takes one. Yoli, the popular thing for media guys to do is to find a comparable that's in the NBA right now, and a common name that has surfaced uh, on a few occasions is Paul Millsap. How do you feel about the comparison of you to a guy like Paul Millsap? I love it. Paul, Paul Millsap's always been my guy. And, you know, when teams ask who I try to model my game after, it's always him. He's, he's number one. So, um, you know, especially being a Utah guy, I grew up watching him, and I really started watching his film and trying to emulate his game um, when I got into high school. So um, I've loved his game. We're very similar builds, similar sizes. And I really just admire the way he was able to come in and carve out a role. And I kind of wanted to follow that blueprint. He came in and he was a hustle guy, high energy, you know, played hard, rebounded the ball at a high level, cut, 
So I want to be able to do all those things and, and just kind of add to my game the way he did with continuing to improve his handles, shooting abilities, switch ability. So he's, he's a really great blueprint for guys um, that kind of think the game like I do and, and have a similar build. Uh, career earnings around 181 million. Does that sound okay? <laughs> uh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe more. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. 180. That's not much. I don't know. Yeah. I'd, I'd take, uh, I'd take half, you know, I'd take half. <laughs> uh, Looking back at the season, obviously not playing March Madness was just devastating, right? Obviously a pandemic, uh, you know, uh, ensued and, and everything came crashing down in that regard. What, what are some of your top memories from the season? Are you over not being able to play in March Madness or is that still a, a lingering thing? I don't know if I'm over it. I'm, I've accepted it for sure. And um, like I said earlier about controlling what you can control, I think me and the guys are all on, on that same page of, you know, we wish it could have happened, but we have to have faith that, that things happen for a reason. You know, you never know why things happen. And you just have to, to have that faith that there's a plan bigger than yours. Um, but I still have dreams about it. I still have dreams about some of our games. And, and uh, that's kind of sad, but, you know, life goes on and, um, I, I just try to look back at the good times, you know, we had, we had so many good times starting with, you know, our summer and our trip to Italy. And those are memories I'll cherish forever to, um, even the, even the times where I was sitting out, being able to cheer on my guys and just, just be, you know, the, the biggest cheerleader on the sideline. I look back at that as, as times I'll always remember. And then, you know, some of our, some of our crazy wins, TJ's buzzer beater, uh, his buzzer beaters, plural, uh, the senior night was an unbelievable way to go out. So uh, we had a lot of legendary moments. And, you know, I think that we're always going to try to hang our hat on being that, that team that kind of brought BYU basketball back. And um, we're really excited for the future of the program, for sure. And for what it's worth, uh, we here in Studio B look back at uh, that season as uh, one of the all-time greats. Unfortunate that it didn't get to uh, go to the tournament, but, man, you cannot take away what happened on senior night and all those great moments uh, that you just brought up. Let's talk about your buddies that are sticking around to play BYU basketball. This is going to be a very different type of roster with a ton of size, Yule. I mean, you you were one of a few big guys. Now it feels like BYU has just this a plethora of big men, including now 7-3 Matt Harms. What are your expectations for a different-looking roster under Mark Pope in his second year as head coach? They're so good. Seriously, they're going to be so good. I'm so excited for for not only them, but all the fans. It's going to be such a fun year. You know, I think there's going to be a lot of adjustment, especially on the offensive end of, you know, there might be some spacing issues early on. There might be some flow issues. I think last year we were able to click so well offensively and, and all the pieces fit really well. But defensively, this team's going to be a juggernaut. Like, they seriously could be the best defensive team in the country, you know. Uh, the, the addition of Brandon is, is huge. Um, Alex, as we know, can really guard. And then they have so much length defending them in the paint. They have so much switchability, so many guys that can, that can disrupt plays that college guys aren't used to making. So uh, I think they're going to be an elite defensive team. And I'm excited to see what, what Coach Pope does with the offense. But they're talented, man. Like, I, I'm going to say it, it's a hot take. Most talented team 
that there's ever been at BYU. Whoa! I know. Okay. I know. That's hot. I know. <laughs> hot take. Just go up and down the roster, and it's like – if they can put it together, it's going to be special. I'm excited. Don't let jo- Jonathan Tavernari hear that take. Uh, I'm really excited to see who gets your 16 shots, by the way, a game. I know, man. There's an That's opening. We were talking with, I was talking with Alex the other day, and that was always the kind of the joke was that he never got a play ran for him, and he was, he was still able to be really productive. So <laughs> you know, he's, he's going he's gonna to get the ball in his hands a lot more, and, and guys are going to step up. That's, it, just, it always works that way. You know, guys work hard, and they have such a deep roster right now that there's going to be a handful of guys that step up and make the jump. Yoli, this has been a very enjoyable and beneficial conversation, and I'm probably understating that. Uh, in our first segment, we addressed uh, a lot of important issues as it pertains to Black Lives Matter. Of course, we're excited to hear about your basketball future, but uh, we just can't thank you enough. So we really appreciate the time. No, I appreciate it. And last thing, uh, kind of running back to that first segment that I forgot to mention is, um, you know, through my experiences, I've been, you know, very standoffish with law enforcement at times, and I try to avoid that. And I think it's really important that, you know, we come together as a community and not just point fingers. So um, if anybody knows people in law enforcement that, that would be willing to have a conversation about what's going on, I would love it if you could reach out to me just DM me on Twitter and Instagram. I'll, I'll try to look through and, and see if there's any uh, requests like that. So I really appreciate the time being on, and it's always great talking with you guys. Yoli, thanks, thanks. so much. Thanks, Yoli. Friend. Class all around. We'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate you guys. Yoli Childs on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. One could argue that's the greatest interview we've ever had on BYU Sports Nation. I mean, we, we've done two parts with, I think, just a couple of people. And today we thought, no, this is really important. Let's expand the conversation. So that was great. And we're learning things and we're uh, understanding more and we're listening. So I I think that's really valuable for one of the more influential uh, members of our community who is black. And I'm talking about BYU. I'm talking about Provo. I'm talking about Utah County. I'm talking about the state of Utah, frankly. Yoli Childs has a platform that he is using to try and um, better everyone everyone's lives and, and understand more. So that's great. And it would seem that platform is only going to grow. Absolutely. Push us through on to uh, become a professional basketball player. And we're looking forward to whatever happens there yeah. in October. Okay, coming up, the best to wear it. And Yoli Childs just mentioned this guy, Alex Barcelo. He's one of the seniors coming back. He is the spotlight of our deep blue feature. You don't want to miss it. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Friday, it's BYU Sports Nation special as we present the BYU Football All-Decade Team, which player at each position to set themselves apart. Tune in Friday, noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Welcome back to Studio B. Alongside Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. We just told you we would show you the Deep Blue segment with Alex Barcella, but we're going to call an audible because that Yoli Childs interview was jam-packed with goodness. And we want to talk about a few things that were presented to us. So, And, and if you want to watch the Alex Barcelo piece, it's on demand right now sure. on the BYU TV app. And uh, we'll bring that back, uh, if not later this week, sometime next week. So we will air that. But I just, I, I, we would be remiss if we didn't discuss uh, some of the points that he brought up, Jerem. Uh, and I want to start. I loved his genuine and sincere desire 
to go back to what we were talking about and saying, like, I, I want to understand the law enforcement side better as well. Sure. It, Asking it, for, you know, officials to reach out to him. He right. So he's like, we need to, to not be ignorant, but it's he's approaching this from both sides. And I really appreciated that. Right. And, uh, you know, listen, white people have been talking for 400 years. It's time to listen. You know, so th- I think that's important in any dialogue is is listening. Right. And so it. If you want to be heard, you got to be willing to listen as well. So I think that's really important. The thing that struck me with this last couple weeks is I knew there was an issue, but I didn't realize that that issue was with uh, almost everyone who's black and that their experience was so different from mine. I knew it was different, but I didn't realize it was different to that extreme. Like, no one should have a, a gun pointed to their head without a crazy justifiable reason for that extreme action right and so to hear that that's perhaps more commonplace and and you know that's really hard and watching uh some movies and some documentaries and hearing stories that's been impressed upon me personally and how hard it is to be a black person in america so i've been seeking as you have on this show to to learn to listen to hear to feel because I believe that you don't act until you feel something, generally. So we've been listening and hearing, and now we're feeling, and now we can take action, right? And that's for you to decide what you're going to do. Um, Derwin Gray taught us that you have to be anti-racist so that you don't tolerate things that others may do, that you don't just say, well, I, I'm not going to do it that. It wasn't me. I'm not going to participate, so I'm not. Uh, out of line in this so that those are important lessons and yoli is teaching us and and, you know you think sometimes yeah like he said ah that happens elsewhere it's like no those things happen everywhere no matter where you are and uh this is a kid who grew up in uh you know salt lake county i grew up in salt lake county grew up in davis county here in utah and he went to byu and uh you know there are certain things uh at byu that we can certainly do better and i know that in the community the administration is discussing and, and seeking to do uh, what's best and try and uh, try and be better in this regard. Absolutely. Yeah. Super uplifting. And uh, he left us with a few gems in regard to BYU basketball in the future that I'm sure we'll bring up on later shows. Yeah. That, that hot take on most talented teams. That's pretty hot, man. Best pretty defensive hot. team in the country, maybe. Let's now, go. That one I can get on board with. That, 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 uh, that's something to aspire to for sure. Okay. Coming up, the best to wear at number 31. And our combined rise and shout out. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. A daily reminder, the show is available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. And it's for free. You can just Google the podcast, uh, BYU Sports Nation podcast, and you can subscribe and enjoy every day you want. We've still got about three minutes, so we're going to jam-pack some stuff into it, including the best to wear it. We're counting up to 99. You know the drill, one number each show. We're determining who was the best athlete to wear each number at BYU. It is number 31 today. It's Ken Roberts of BYU Basketball. Ken Roberts, the younger brother of Fred, kind of carried that legacy on. 15th in points all time in BYU history. I think some people forget about uh, Kenneth, Kenny, Ken Roberts. uh, Scored 16.52 points, uh, 13 a game, shot 55%. Uh, top 20 in points, rebounds, steals, assists, blocks, and field goal percentage. So he, he was good. Two-time first-team all-whack. I know he's into uh, coaching and sports psychology now. I've, I've uh, helped uh, go to a class his wife teaches at Skyridge High School, which has uh, been really fun. Played professionally in Spain, Portugal, and New Zealand. How about that? Our honorable mention, 
BYU footballer Rodney Rice, who played in the late 80s. 12 interceptions in his career. Two of them returned for touchdowns. 15 pass breakups, 101 total tackles. There he goes! Rodney Rice, first-team All-Wack in 88, was a second-teamer in 87, eighth-round draft pick in the 1989 NFL Draft. He played two years in the National Football League for the Patriots and Buccaneers. Was that against Texas, that pick six right there? In 88. That was awesome, man. That was awesome. Here, There he goes again! Rodney Rice into the end zone. Touchdown. I love, I love the hand up. Yeah. Like he knows what's happening 15 what's yards out. What's oh! up? I love that. Rodney Rice. We forget about Rodney Rice. I didn't know much about Rodney Rice. So many good defensive Great. backs in that era. Rodney Rice, Irvin Lee, Derwin Gray, Tony Crutchfield. They were legit. There were so many. Yeah, so many good players. Our question of the day, what does BYU football need to do to capture the same momentum currently surrounding BYU basketball? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Twiggy or Stone. They have to start by beating Utah. Until that dark cloud disperses, momentum will be hard to get. Big basketball wins are a huge factor in where they are now. I'm telling you, if BYU can beat Utah this year, it releases a lot of that stress. Okay, today's Rising Shoutout, Yoli Childs. Uh, two segments with him. Tremendous thoughts and commentary from him. Great to listen. Great to hear his experiences. What he thinks could be actionable items as well in this uh, social movement as we continue to try and learn what it is that we can do, especially in a predominantly white community like it is here in Provo. What action can we take to help this become better? And the great news is if you missed any of that, you have – infinite options to go back and re-listen to that interview or if you missed you didn't miss it and you just want to uh, enjoy it again download that podcast available anytime our thanks to today's guest as jerry mentioned yoli child one of the all-timers of BYU, absolutely on and off the court and sorry to dustin pitta we ran out of time conversation continues 24 7 on twitter instagram and facebook use the hashtag byusn for Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. Shout out to another former BYU defensive back, Justin Robinson. Oh, Remember nice. Him? Yeah. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Go Cougs.